I'm not Scott Soshnick. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Evan Novi williams That's because that uh, we don't have Scott today because uh, he is off on assignment, as they say in the news business. How rude of him <laughs> to have other work while we're trying to talk about the business of sports. We're here for you each and every week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, right here. And we're going to talk about some of the biggest sports stories that's going on. And I guess we've got to start with uh, the unibrow, Anthony Davis, and uh, he realizes that ruffles have ridges. Uh, Let me explain. Uh, At a press event at the NBA store in New York City, Ruffles, the potato chip brand, announced that it has entered a chip deal with the newest member of the Los Angeles Lakers, well, reportedly anyway, Anthony Davis, uh, to develop bold new products and transformational fan experiences. Yeah, this didn't take long. About a week after Anthony Davis was involved in a, in a blockbuster NBA trade that will send him over to the Lakers, uh, yeah, he announces a deal with Ruffles. I, I guess I should say a deal with PepsiCo, which owns Ruffles, uh, the potato chip maker. Um, there's some fun things in here. I mean, he's going to be a you know a brand ambassador for Ruffles. Uh, he claims that he's also going to be you know helping develop new products. Uh, with PepsiCo. Uh, But there's another piece to this, which I thought was fairly interesting. He also simultaneously released or or, or debuted a new Nike shoe. That is a collaboration between Ruffles, Anthony Davis, Nike, uh, and a shoe designer named Dominic Chambrone. I apologize if I uh, messed that name up. Um, But it's kind of a cool collaboration. He's a Nike endorser as well. You know, he's bringing together now multiple different companies that are working with him to create new product. I heard the shoe looks crisp. See what I did there? That good was, one. Good yeah, one. Man. Yeah, I don't know if you look at the photos of the shoe, but it's got it's got kind of that patented ruffles, you know, edges around the top. Uh, inside the tongue, there's shoe nutrition facts. So like kind of a mock nutrition fact label that has the size and, and what else is in the shoe, et cetera. Um, so there's there's some fun things there. Um, Anthony Davis, you know, for for folks who who don't know. You know, number former number one pick, six-time NBA All-Star. He's one of the best players in the league. Uh, he's on number 39 on Forbes' list of the highest-paid uh, athletes in the world in 2018, um, including nine million dollars of endorsement. So he's already kind of an endorsement uh, endorsement king. My question for you, Michael, moving over to LA, do you think things change dramatically for Anthony Davis, being going from you know one of the smallest markets in the NBA in in New Orleans? over to the second biggest in Los Angeles and playing for, you know, one of these, you know, principal top two brands in the NBA. Do you think things change a bit for him from an endorsement standpoint? Oh, yeah. Because, one, obviously you're going to Los Angeles, so now you have a huge market. Never mind you're going to pick up all those little local sponsorships. Mm. shouldn't say little, but, I mean, you're going to pick up. <laughs> yeah, I'd take one or two of, of those. Yeah, I'll take a couple of those. So, you know, you're going to pick up all of that. Obviously you got this going on here uh, with Ruffles. So yes, and 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 furthermore, now just about the chances of the Los Angeles Lakers, supposedly now the odds are high that they're going to win the championship. They're the favorite now. Yeah, which <laughs> sometimes we got to take a settle down approach because <laughs> you know it's yes, I get it. You you, you have LeBron, and now you have uh, you know the unibrow. And that third component is what's going to be the key. I, I'm just wondering who it's going to be. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see who the who the Lakers do add. Kemba Walker, I hear. You know, there, there's a lot of rumors out there about him. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, there's definitely some kind of benefit. Uh, you can be a star in any market. I think LeBron James proved that. 
he, he might be more of an exception than the rule, but I do think you can be, you know, you can have endorsements and be one of the most uh, highest profile players in the NBA, regardless of where you're playing. I think the Greek freak is another good example up in Milwaukee, not a, not a huge market, but this, this move to LA will help longtime friend of the program, Bob Dorfman, who's a marketing executive out in San Francisco. He says that he thinks it could add another $5 million uh, of endorsement money. For Anthony Davis, you know, which is another 50% bump if you trust the Forbes numbers. Uh, he's also playing alongside LeBron James. As you said, the team will be better. They will be on ESPN and Turner, I would think, the maximum amount. Oh, you yeah. can put these teams on TV next year. Um, and one other thing worth mentioning, he's repped by the same agent, Rich Paul, who reps LeBron James. So there may be some synergies there having them with the same agent also playing on the same team in the same market. I always wonder before we move on to the next topic. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's playing in Milwaukee, and pretty nice, much nice pronunciation there. Well, by thank the way. you, sir. <laughs> I knew I can get Milwaukee out, but it was, but you know what? He's put the he's put that city again on the map, uh, way back like uh, Laverne and Shirley. Uh, it, it's uh, you know you're talking about that town, and just shows you what a big name can do to uh, attract uh, visitors uh, to your city. Absolutely. Top seed in the East this year. They didn't make it to the, the finals, unfortunately. They they got tripped up by Toronto. Uh, but certainly the future is bright there. And, and I again, I, I do believe that, you know, regardless of the size of the market, uh, if Giannis continues, you know, kind of this, this amazing run and stays as one of the NBA's best players, that there will be a ton of opportunities for him off the court as well. This next one is pretty serious. Former senior soccer official Michelle Platini released after being questioned over the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Uh, he was detained Wednesday in all of this. He was uh, or was released today, Wednesday, because uh, he was uh, picked up yesterday uh, in all of this for the questioning. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me. You know, it's 2019 right now. The 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 vote that gave the World Cup. The, the 2018 World Cup to Russia and the 2022 World Cup to Qatar was back in 2010. So we're almost a decade since that vote. And we're still, there's still investigations. We're still detaining principles that were involved in, in the vote. Um, this is going to continue to be a controversy up until, you know, the first ball is kicked in Qatar in 2022 and probably even, even beyond it. Uh, to catch people up, uh, Michel Platini, who you know was one time you know one of the best soccer players in France, later on ran UEFA, which is the the European Soccer Federation. Um, so he was you know principally involved in a lot of the voting, you know the big votes for World Cup venues, etc. Uh, he was banned four year soccer ban a couple years ago over a, a two million dollar payment that he received from Sepp Blatter. Seth Blatter, who ran FIFA, also banned, if you're sensing a trend here, uh, yeah. for, for some of his wrongdoings. Um, this, as you said, kind of stems back to that vote in 2010 for the, the, the Qatar World Cup. And, and while we've never had any, you know, there's, no, there's never been a smoking gun or any hard evidence, there's so much smoke around the fact that there, there were maybe some shenanigans happening uh, when Qatar won that World Cup. Again, you know, the U.S. was was expected to win one of those two, uh, and they were locked out of it. I should add, uh, a former advisor to a uh, former French president, Nicolas Sarkozy, was reported as being placed in custody also for questioning over bribery accusations. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought up Sarkozy. So the, the details of, of the reason why Platini was detained was to talk about a meeting that he had with Sarkozy, who was the president of France at the time, and a number of high-ranking Qatari officials about a month prior to the vote. 
Uh, and there's always been speculation that something in that meeting happened where Platini decided before that he seemed to be he was willing to vote for Russia and then the U.S. And then after that meeting kind of came out and was voting for Russia and then Qatar. Uh, Sepp Blatter has said publicly, I believe, at one point that, 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 that Platini told him that he was changing his vote because of pressure from Sarkozy. You know, right around that time was also when uh, the investment in PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, happened. Uh, so a massive investment into one of the biggest French soccer teams by Sovereign Wealth Fund, a, a, a group closely tied to, uh, to the Qatari government. Um, so there's a lot of things going on there. One thing that I, I want to point out, because it's amazing, I read this in the New York Times from a former colleague of mine, Tarek Panja. Um, there were 22 FIFA administrators who had the, voted in that final round to give the World Cup to Qatar. More than half of them have either faced accusations of wrongdoing or been banned from soccer altogether. Other than that, uh, the play was fun. <laughs> that is, that, that is an, an amazing statistic. Uh, so again, moving forward, you know, there, we're going to continue to hear about this. You know, there there are certainly a number of controversies heading into that Qatar World Cup. You know, treatment of 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 immigrant workers. You know, the the heat. You know, which has already forced the World Cup to be moved from the summer to the winter. First time in you know in eighty ninety years that they've actually changed the scheduling for the World Cup. Um, obviously, the costs are are astronomical. There's, you know, alcohol and LGBTQ policies that are also been controversial. Controversial. We're going to keep hearing about this uh, moving forward. To say this now, moving on to the next story, a much <laughs> happier story, which is amazing. Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball Players Association, the union, they are getting a head start on labor talks. Yeah, that's the key thing. Head start. We're we're two years away from from the the current labor agreement between Major League Baseball and its players. Uh, reaching its terminus, uh, and they're already at the table right now. They met in New York earlier this week. Um, again, this is you know very preliminary. Major League Baseball does not have to negotiate now. You know certainly there's no impetus on them, and they could decide after these talks. You know what? We're going to table this for a bit. But you know there is a lot of animosity right now between Major League Baseball players and Major League Baseball owners, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, kind of the changes that are happening right now in free agency. A lot of guys, you know, are not getting the money that they would have made uh, if this were a couple years ago. There's controversy about whether, you know, all the teams, all 30 teams are actually trying to win, you know, and, and how that changes the, the free agent market. Certainly service time manipulation is another big one. You know, folks who know Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know, the fact that he didn't start this year in the major league with the, with the Toronto Rap, or Toronto Blue Jays, but was rather called up just a few weeks into the season, uh, was likely a very specific move by the Blue Jays so they could hold on to an extra year of his career before he hits free agency. There's a lot of things going on right now in baseball that players are trying to fix. And the fact that they're even meeting at all two years before the, the, uh, the agreement expires is, is a sign of real progress. And I should add, according to the New York Times, the parties met only to discuss logistics for negotiations. Okay, yeah, so that's a that's a that's a good start. I mean, historically, you know, baseball has swung in, in very big ways in terms of who had the power. You know, in the first, you know, owners had all the power for a really long time, and then in the '70s under Marvin Miller, you know, the the union was able to to make some real headway in terms of 
players getting paid more, and then obviously the advent of free agency. And part of the power the union had back then was the fact that, you know, big money teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, they were, you know, they weren't always aligned with the small money teams because the Yankees and Dodgers were making so much money, you know, so players were able to kind of pry into the rifts between the big market and small market teams. Flash forward now to the 90s and the 2000s, you know, baseball started sharing revenue, teams started to get on the same page, and suddenly you saw the pendulum swing back towards the owners. Uh, in terms of, you know, in- implementing a salary cap, et cetera. Now, you know, we're in 2019 and it does seem like there are some real issues within the game that, that probably need to be fixed. And it will be fascinating to see, you know, over the course of the next two years, how much progress gets made. And when a final deal is done, A, can they do it without avoiding a stoppage? You know, and baseball's gone a long time, you know, more than 20 years without having a stoppage. Um, and two, how much, you know, how much progress can players make in terms of making a dent in some of these things we're talking about? Bringing up an old man reference, uh, you mentioned about the negotiations, and then I think always about what Kurt Flood did Absolutely. many years ago uh, to help change the negotiations in Major League Baseball with the Reserve Club. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Flood was kind of on the forefront, I mean, possibly the most, alongside Marvin Miller, the most important person in, you know, ushering in that, you know, that maybe 20-year era where, Major League Baseball players suddenly had a lot of the uh, a, a lot of a lot of the power there in negotiations. Uh, one other thing that worth mentioning, you know, we've seen a lot of famous NBA or famous baseball players starting to speak out about you know problems they're seeing. A guy I'm, I'm sure is near and dear to your heart, uh, Verlander, you know, uh, who spent <laughs> a lot of time mean, in, <laughs> a lot of time in Detroit. Um, he said, you know, the system is broken. Mike Trout probably the best player in baseball has come out and said, you know, that what we have right now is not good for baseball. Uh, I, I expect the union to lean heavily on the, the players in baseball that are most influential with fans to try to make this argument moving forward. By the way, we got to wrap, but remember, keep this in mind, fantasy baseball player folks out there. You want to see a season go up in flames? Have your star pitcher, Max Serger, mm. right there in <laughs> Anybody who hasn't seen it, he was taking batting practice and he was doing bunts, and one bunt went right into his nose, broke his nose. Did you see the video? Yes. Yeah, he's like kind of lazily chopping at it. It's not even like a real bunt. The, the the bat isn't even horizontal. It's kind of at an angle. It's the the ball's almost head height, and he just I mean, I'm sure he just like lost you know lost lost control of of, of the hand eye for a second and bounces right back and hits him in the face. The pitching coach had that look like. What in the hell did you just do? (laughs) (laughs) You have been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, and we're here for you each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at the same time talking to you about the biggest names in sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We've got a good interview. Uh, Michael Eisner, who used to run Walt Disney Company, uh, longtime ABC executive, you know, a guy who had the front row seat, Michael, for you know the, all the changes we've seen in in sports and sports media over the past 30, 40 years. A really interesting conversation. Oh, yeah, he's an old boss. He's been with ABC for years, so I still have to call him Mr. Eisner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me at Big Bar Sports on you, Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. And don't forget, you can get our podcast where available.